the storm that was to be didn't happen yesterday. Um, uh, today's the 3rd of February. And uh, yesterday's February 2nd storm petered out by the time it reached Pawtucket and Warwick area. Um, for those of you not familiar with this part of the Northeast, that's part of the Providence area, was all, all of Providence area, was spared. Um, we were thought, I thought we were going to get what New York got, which was nine inches or so. We got, uh, we got about three, if we were lucky, about three here in Pawtucket. And it was enough for my neighbor to come out and shovel everybody's driveway. That's just the way he is, Gary, my man, who takes me around and does all my errands for me, with me. Uh, practically for me, I do do my own errands. Um, I don't have a car right now, so he's helping me out with transportation to the supermarket, uh, to whatever place I need to go. Um, so less has been interrupted up here, up in these parts. The storm just ended. The, the line ended right at, at around Pawtucket. And uh, Massachusetts, of course, was spared. Connecticut looks like my brother Claude got hit more than we got. I think I'm going to give him a call tonight, get the scoop on what he got yesterday as far as snow accumulation. So the storm, uh, that happens a lot. Storms are forecast for more, and we end up getting less. I guess it's better than the other way around, certainly. Uh, I had my shovel ready, though. I was ready to go, but to, to no avail, to no avail. Um, we're going to get a couple of storms, though. I'm sure we're going to get hit before the season's out, um, if not in February, in March, maybe. Um don't see any much of April storms or May storms, for that matter, uh, in winter with wintry, wintry conditions. Um, but uh, I think we're going to get a couple in February. I got a good feeling. Um, it's a good feeling, too, because I like snow. I like the snow. Haven't gotten sick of snow so far this winter. Haven't had enough of it. Seems like we're just finishing up with the, the warmer weather. Um, and everybody's talking about snow. And certainly a lot of people talked about this storm that came. Uh, for southern parts of Rhode Island, I think they got, they got a good, good, good covering. But uh, as far as up here in the northern reaches of the great state of Rhode Island, and uh, nothing, or very little, three inches, if so. Um, there's snow on my uh, neighbor's roof, although that's in the shade. It's on the shady side of the street. They, you know, the, the roof comes down. I can see it. Good covering of snow. It belies what we actually got. It belies what we actually got. So, fear not. There will be some white stuff before the season is over. Getting ready to order supper. I'm going to be ordering from California Taco Shop here in Pawtucket. They've got uh, six or so of them in the Rhode Island area. Um, authentic Mexican fast food. And it's the best. Uh, they've got a uh, ranchero plate. They've got the fiesta plate. Uh, they've got the um, enchilada combo. You get a nice enchilada with dark tomato sauce on it cheese and beans you know it's got chicken in it I think you can ask for meat but it's got chicken you can ask for beef taco beef I'm going to try one with that at some point I like the taco beef spicy but not, not too spicy just right um, and you get the, you get the uh, refried, refried beans and Spanish rice all in a styrofoam shell package that's about $12.99 and for a good filling supper $12.99 not a bad price point not a bad price point I've done cheaper suppers I've done $7 suppers um, it's not like I set out to have a cheap dinner um, cheap cost wise dinner I uh, 
get my ingredients and if it works out. If I spend $12 on one supper or $20 on one, not usually. I don't usually go that much for the supper for a serving. Uh, and I get leftovers out of this. I get leftovers out of this. Sometimes I order their big burrito. It's a huge burrito. Um, it's six inches wide by like four inches diameter. It's just loaded uh, with, uh, with taco beef, cheese, beans, uh, lettuce, and I can I can have that for lunch if I save half of it. Very filling. Very satisfying. It's good. It's good Mexican food at an affordable price, a very affordable price. And that's California Taco Shops. There's one on Central Avenue, right near Tessier's Hardware Store, my favorite hardware store in Pawtucket. Um, right near my alma mater, St. Cecilia's Elementary School and St. Cecilia's Church. Um, just a stone's throw from there. That makes it close to my home, because my home is just a few streets down on Hunts Avenue, near Hasbro. Um, I would walk there, actually. I'd walk there and back with my supper. But I'm hoping my friend Gary uh, will uh, transport me there and wait for me in the car while I go and grab my supper and uh, come out with a big grin on my face, knowing I'm about to enjoy a great dinner affordable price. Talk me some art and other stories that tries to bring in art into the picture. Um, maybe not on every episode. Maybe I failed in that respect. Not living up to the title. The title is implied. Uh, but it's uh, talk me some art and other stories. That's the operative part of that podcast title, and other stories. And these stories are loosely related to art, but not necessarily. Um, the spirit of art is always there. Um, I don't know if I'm living my life as an artful person, maybe, maybe not. But as I explained in, in podcasts, several podcasts ago, many podcasts ago, my experiences at, at Rhode Island Colleges College, where I went, where I studied later on in my later semesters as a graphic designer and photographer. Those were my fields of study. I graduated with a degree in a bachelor's degree in studio art, which is graphic design, later called that post-1984, the year I graduated, and a minor in photography. I think I'm a pretty good photographer. I haven't exercised my skill, if I have that, if there's such a thing with me. I think I can be sort of modest when I say that um, I've had made, I made some pretty good pictures in my day with my camera. I painted some pretty good pictures photographically. I respect light. I look for the light source. Um, I studied I studied composition and things like subject matter, exposure, composition, of course, framing. That's includes framing, juxtapositioning, tension, texture, all those dandy things associated with the art of light photography. Photography is light. Photography is life. Black and white or color. Part of my degree seeking was uh, a technical drawing class. And I want to relate this story uh, as a commentary on what people will go through, what people will resort to, to get a good, a good mark in class. I remember one technical drawing assignment the professor gave out. We had to go home with it. And I remember 
working at my desk at school, laboriously drawing circles with tangents and, and angles and arcs, labeling with perfect lettering, using the ruler. I remember using the ruler, a plain straight edge, to make sure the lettering baseline was perfectly even, line for line. Um, I signed my work. I was proud of it. I, I, I meticulously drew out these triangles and circles. And it, it, it was a, a large, let's say 18 by 24 sheet that showed all different circles and the measurements off them, the angles, the obtuse angles, the right angles. And I was so proud of it. And um, we then each had our own drawer in a flat file in front of the class to put our artwork, our technical drawings in to be uh, marked up by the professor. So that next day when we came into class, our, um, our drawings were, were graded. And imagine my surprise the next morning when I went to go get my technical drawing and there was nothing there. It was missing. And the professor had graded everybody else's paper and everybody else had their assignments with them at their desk, except me. I looked like the the scufflaw, the cheat, the, the, the uh, ne'er-do-well who couldn't get his job done on this moderate exercise in technical drawing. So my, I guess, classmate next to me had his, his in quotes, and you probably already know where I'm getting at, in front of him. And I glanced over and noticed that it looked pretty familiar. The circles and the lettering, of course. And then it, a scratched out or erased name in the bottom corner, replaced with this individual's name. And it was apparent that my artwork was stolen from me and I was denied a replacement. If he had given me his drawing, it probably wouldn't have been good enough because it's probably incomplete. If there was a near-do-well in the, in the class, it was this, I can still picture him. And I remember not saying anything and I had to bite the bullet, and I had to take an F on my assignment. I don't think I redid it. I don't believe so. I don't remember redoing it for a grade. So there was an incomplete there, a big I or F, depending on how you look at it. And I remember it was a couple of, maybe a week later, maybe a few days later, where the audacity came through on his part. And that was when we were doing our next assignments, as I was drawing my triangles or whatever it was, he came to me, or he, he was right next to me actually in class. That's how I noticed that he had my artwork, which I never said anything about. I was too nervous. I couldn't believe it. I was in shock actually. I was in, I was in, a, I was in a state of shock, people. If you've ever had anything stolen from you, you feel violated. You feel like you're the only person in the world that's persecuted. And I certainly had that feeling. I certainly had this feeling. And that's why I'm relating this story to you, because I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. He leaned over to me and asked me for some advice on something. 
And I remember telling him this exact line verbatim. I said, you've got a lot of nerve. And he immediately went back to his artwork sheepishly. And I knew then for sure, not that I didn't already know already, that this was the guy, the kid, the, the young man, the, the student who stole a little piece of my life on that day in technical drawing class at Rhode Island College. He got the, he got the message from me that I knew, that he knew, that I knew, that I knew, that he knew. <laughs> that this kid was a scumbag. And I knew it, and he knew it. I don't think the professor got wind of it. I may have said something. Actually, I think I did say something. Well, I know when I was missing my artwork, I said to the professor, something happened. I don't know what happened. I had my artwork. It was in there, and it was gone. And victimhood raised its, reared its ugly head on those days in technical drawing class, what would otherwise have been a great class turned into a bit of a nightmare, a bit of a nightmare. Did I get over it? Of course. I had other outlets, photography, painting, sculpture, art history, um, graphic design. The one thing that really saved me in those years at Rhode Island College was several semesters was photography. My camera was everything to me. Always loaded with film. I did a previous podcast, as you possibly possibly know, about my forays into downtown Providence, recording, uh, recording mostly objects, architectural, and... That was my angle that I took, architectural photography, employing all the elements of it, composition, juxtaposition. Um, And it really liberated me. It really liberated me. Photography did. In, In more ways, maybe even than the graphic design. Graphic design was exciting because it was a newfound talent that I realized I had. It was unarguably something that I was fairly strong in. And, but those days in technical drawing class, which would have otherwise been a glorious class, and maybe it turned out to be a good class, and I think in the end run, it, I got a good grade. And it, I think I got a very good grade in spite of that lapse there. Um, It ended on a high note. I think the class was overall good. It was a good experience, certainly. It was all about teaching you discipline in your execution of, uh, of the pencil on the paper. So with that negative... It ended up being a positive. And I graduated in 1984. And I think Rhode Island College taught me a lot of things. Um, I had friends. I had one very good friend who was always there for me. And we went through a lot of the same experiences together. We shared some of the same classes together, especially in art. And I must say, I I value my experiences at Rhode Island College in spite of some of the dramas.
another trip I made to Market Basket involved picking up uh, uh, in the in the aisle that has all the unrefrigerated juices. <clears throat> so the Welch's uh, grape juice is the item I go for. Um, been getting that lately. I like grape juice. It's tart, uh, but it's sweet. <clears throat> it has some complexity to it. I guess it's non-alcoholic. Maybe that's one reason. Um, maybe not. Anything It actually has nothing to do with it. Um, basically, forget what I said about that aspect of it because it doesn't really factor in. It's grape juice. It's 100%. Um, you know, I know what you're probably saying already. Sugar, 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 too much juice in the, in the day. Is, I keep it in check. I go for the water most of the day. Lately, I've been on a, on a uh, little bit of a uh, more dis disciplinarian approach to um, hydrating myself with, uh, particularly with H2O, with, with, um, with water right from, right from my Brita. I invested the other day, had to buy a three-pack at, at Market Basket the other day, um, uh, a three-pack of the, uh, the Brita filters, because they make you buy three, and it was $18 investment. Um, but, um, I've got the other two up in the cupboard. Uh, this one is a new one I just put in, of course, and it's, 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 uh, producing good, clean, clear water. Um, and it tastes good. And the city of Pawtucket's water already going in is, is pretty good. Um, uh, so the water's really not, um, my neighbor says his water's hard, I'm going to talk to him more about that aspect of it because we've never had, I don't think we've ever had a hard water condition. We've never had any kind of hard water conditioner unit in the house, uh, in the history of, of water coming in the house, so or water softeners or anything, or nor did we had to buy any products that would um, be good as, as uh, to counter water softening, any of that kind of thing. Uh, none of that. It, we, the water seemed to taste fine, and for years, of course, growing up as kids before the age of the pure filter and the Brita uh, was, uh, it was you know, you drank straight tap water, basically, and you know, you didn't have really bottled water when I was a kid. We didn't have bottled water. Um, you would have been an alien on the street if you had been caught in that time warp and be uh, the only person with a water bottle in 19, you know, when I was, uh, let's say, 11 years old in 1971. So, um, but, uh, so in any event, um, you know, the Brit is good. It works for me. I like it. I put the new filter in, so I'm, I'm charged up with, with uh, good potable water, as they say, uh, and certainly drinkable. And um, it's, it's replenishing. And my mantra is, um, uh, I, I basically thank God, I, I, thank, I thank you God for water. I mean, that's basically, you know, our, our lifeblood. And it's an elemental, it's such an elemental thing that, that it uh, doesn't even need any, uh, any other pretense to it. It's just, it's, uh, it's our lifeblood, it's H2O, it's our hydration. And I, I take it kind of seriously. I, I put that investment, I put the $18 investment in my filters, in my Brita filters. And, um, you know, I guess if you divide that by three, that's $6 each. I guess it's not too bad. Um, like I said, the other two are tucked up in the cupboard. Uh, you know, they say to change it monthly. I think, I think, I think that's a conservative estimate. I think you can go... I know you can go longer. I've gone longer, and the water has seemed to be... It seemed to be functioning pretty well and draining well. Um, it's when it starts really taking a long time to, to get the water down into the, into the clean reservoir that it, uh, it becomes sort of, a, I guess, a hindrance. And then, you know, you're forced to change the filter at that point. But it's never really gotten to the point with the with that. Maybe because Pawtucket water, like I said, maybe because of the, the the city, the municipal water coming in, is is of a certain of a good quality, so that it's already got a head start in the process. That could be. That could be. Um, I, I have a I have a I have a um, an inclination to believe that's probably the case. Um, but in any event. Uh, 
what what I like to drink is clean clean water, and if if I couldn't get it otherwise, I'd I'd get I'd get it in the big gallon jugs. But you know, you picture that you know that one lone person drinking a water bottle in 1971. You know, it's a, it's going back in time, and and that was never even on the radar. Of course, you know, you could lump that in with a lot of other technology that's occurred since. Um, so grape juice, water, um, kept in balance. Fruit juices are good in general. I like the, I still like the mango tango, tango mango, orange mango tango. I think it's called Newman's Own. Um, it's in the refrigerated section on that one. And um, I know I also like the the limeade. I think it's Florida Naturals makes that, but I could be wrong. It could be simply simply natural uh one of those one of those uh, refrigerated uh juice brands um so uh i you know i think i think trying to like mix it up is good with your diet you know um i got salmon the other day uh no i didn't get salmon i didn't get salmon i got tuna and i'm disappointed overall with that how i cooked it i I just i don't blame it on the tuna i really don't blame it on the tuna um, tuna tends to be, uh, you need, it needs you to do some things to, with it when you prepare it. And I wasn't, I didn't go online to look for any kind of recipe for tuna. Um, but it was a nice piece of tuna. It was a small piece. Uh, it was $4.80. I really didn't want a lot of, I didn't really want a lot of fish. It was just, just me, just a serving for myself. And I didn't see myself eating a big piece of tuna. I really didn't. So... I think it's probably, that probably works out to be about maybe, I don't know, almost a half a pound. I, probably, I, I would say it's a half a pound serving. Um, maybe, even, maybe even north of that. But certainly not anywhere near three quarters of a pound. And not anywhere near, of course, a pound. Um, you know, of course, if I was having people over or doing something like that, that would have been a different story. The tuna looked good in the case at, at the market basket. Um, they have a really good fish department. The fish comes in, it's fresh. They have a great variety. Lake fish, uh, sea fish, of course. Uh, they've got the shellfish in the front um, that are in net bags, netted bags of, let's say, a dozen or more um, of these different varied shellfish, including mussels. Other stores do that as well, but they're usually behind the case. But these are accessible. You can grab a netted basket, and it's um, you know probably works out to be about ten dollars a pound. I don't, I'm not sure what. I, I think pretty much I'm finding that the shellfish tend to be all priced at the same kind of price point, which is moderate to high. You know, you go to the fish department, you're going to be paying typically moderate to high prices, unless you get a special. You know, you look for the salmon special. You know, it was it was nine ninety nine. Now they brought it down to seven ninety nine, and that's like wow, that's a good deal. That's a good deal. If you could find a seven ninety nine a pound salmon, you're doing okay. Maybe you should just stock up, freeze it. I'm not a big proponent of that. I like to just buy in the quantity that I need for for, for my serving, whatever, and 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 just go from there. I don't really want to. Um, in fact, I kind of, I kind of shy to the smaller size now. When I get, when I'm, I'm, my appetite might be, you know, I'm not saying it's waning, but it's, I, I, I don't know if I need to eat this much. It seems. Um, I find my dinners lately, I don't need to really eat as much to be, you know, satisfied. I kind of try to eat during the day, but I'm not a great, great, uh, you know. I have also been known to grab out the the uh, yogurt covered um, uh, yogurt covered uh, uh, cranberries uh, that are just in a bag that Market Basket carries. They're awesome, and it's a good sweet treat. Uh, the, the chocolate covered raisins, my favorite, of course, and I'm probably going to try to get those on my next trip to Market Basket, probably tonight or later today uh, when Gary and I go. Uh, he he takes me helps me out with that right now because I don't have a mode of tra- transportation presently. I'm hoping to get a, a set of wheels pretty soon. That would be awesome. 
this is Buckles Brannigan with a special Western version of morning ruminations. I'm looking out my hotel window here in South Fork, and I probably have the best view of anyone on the second floor here, overlooking the streets of South Fork, the main street, the main drag that comes through, where everybody is facing that way. The saddle shop, the dress shop, the hotel, the, uh, the saloon, the sheriff's office, and uh, the doctor's office. And now I'm looking down, uh, heading, heading east, looking eastward to the beautiful sunrise on this morning ruminations segment. I'm sitting here, like I said, in my hotel room in South Fork. I know it's cloudy up there in New England, where Guy is. Let me do this segment just to end off the show on a bright note because down this way is a sunny, sunny start to the day. The sky is a peach color with tinges of blue, wisps of white with the distant clouds just over the horizon, cirrus clouds pose no threat of storm or imminent danger. It's a very welcoming morning view as I look out. I see the area businesses still sleepy. People still asleep here at 6 a.m. in the morning as the sun peeks up over the distant hills, the low-lying hills. And uh, Thompson's Ferry is just a few, uh, not not a stone's throw, but it's just several miles east in Carbon, the town of Carbon, where there's a uh, Pinkerton agency uh, that's a known town for uh, transient traffic and uh, some 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 shenanigans that go on. There's a saloon there. Uh, it's not much of a population, but it's a place that attracts some colorful characters. Let's just put it that way. Colorful characters. Uh, if they're on the negative side of the of the cowboy script, you know what I'm talking about. They're sidewinders. They're varmints that come through. And we had a real drama couple months ago with Pinkerton office where a couple of the officials there were killed in a gun battle and uh, why they picked on the Pinkerton agency uh, we've later found out that uh, Sherman Grinnell one of the instigators and leaders of that whole coup uh, wanted to get back retribution style for uh, for the that carbon installment of the Pinkerton agency, uh, getting down to the bottom of what happened on one of the uh, stage runs where uh, about a hundred thousand dollars in bonds were stolen. It was a big, big, big day uh, when they rounded up all of the credit, the the, uh, the characters, the the bad actors involved with that. And that was one clean dragnets type sweep. That was uh, something to behold. But I look out my window and I'll continue with the morning. It's uh, gradually getting a stronger light out there. The dirt road through town uh, is taking on the reflection of the sun coming up through the hills. And it looks like a river, but it's not a river. It's the road that comes in through town. It's the famous in-town road. The horses are tied up off the side in front of their respective places where those cowboys, those, those, uh, those, those participants in our ongoing self-work drama uh, dismount the horse and go inside for a drink or three and uh, Start uh, start slamming around bottles and, and, and 
throwing around cards and uh, creating havoc, creating overall havoc. But this is a far from a havoc scene. This is a beautiful, beautiful morning. And uh, see now, coming out of the, the Undertaker's building, which is almost at the end of our run on the street, coming in through town. And uh, it's informally named Clancy Street, named after Jedediah Clamp Clancy, who uh, was a uh, uh, sodbuster, and uh, he died tragically uh, in a gunfight with a bullet intended for someone else. He got the, the stray bullet there. And, uh, it took him two days to die in the doctor's office, and um, the doctor uh, did all he could. Um, and uh, I never saw so many people going in and out, just checking in on his his uh, his progress, if if any. But there wasn't any progress. He continued to his condition deteriorated, and two days later he was dead. And uh, but this one is uh, the Undertaker's is actually coming out now, and off the side, coming from the back, is a cat two caskets, brand new, brand new made. Uh, they were made at the, uh, the carpenter's shop nearby, and they were brought over last night. I saw them being brought in. Now they're wheeling them out front on a, uh, on a uh, pretty fancy wagon, uh, and it fits the caskets neatly to abreast. And uh, those are slated for uh, the Ames couple who died in a holdup outside of town uh, another stage robbery. This was a Wells Fargo, and uh, the uh, the varmints uh, stopped it on the trail, on a muddy trail, and uh, a, a couple of the uh, couple of the uh, side, uh, I guess the the the, the accompaniment, uh, those on on horseback that rode along the side of the stage, ran off on their horse to alert uh, the sheriff in town what was going on with the holdup. They managed to get away before the, uh, the holdup people came in and, uh, and uh, were able to, to get them. And they uh, warned them, and, uh, but they, the stage uh, was back, back on the trail, heading back into town. Minus its uh, its uh, its booty, uh, before any time before any of the good guys could come back and take care of the situation. So that was a lost cause. That was a lost cause. So the Ames family, and uh, her name was Jill, and his name was Henry. They died in that in that holdup. And accidentally, not really, but the, the Henry Henry Ames was a was a well-known man in town. He had just they had gone out to Denver to visit family, and they were coming back. They were coming back. He thought he could just settle back into his 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 routine. But uh, his wife Jill uh, warned him about the whole stage atmosphere. That there had been a lot of holdups lately. That there were a lot of stoppages along trails at different points on the trail. Uh, usually just before leading into town would be the holdup. Just when you thought you were almost in town and you know you, you, you kind of made it through and you were gonna actually make it to your hotel room. Uh, they the came out of the side of the, the side in ambush style, stopped the, stopped the wagon master from his tracks and slowing down that stop and uh, that that was stopped for about a half an hour before everybody was uh, you know everybody was ushered out and inspections were made and belongings and wallets were taken the two men one was mr. Ames and the other the four women on the stage along with a child uh, it was a crowded stage kind of transport on that time uh, included Jill Jill Ames his his, his beautiful wife and this young couple about 40 years old and uh, they had a farm he's a sod buster and he worked really hard he's a hard worker an honest sort 
he deputy he was a deputy on a few occasions when he was called for in the need of it but this time they were just passengers on on a stage and uh, they fell to the bullet when a couple of the uh, couple of the guys back there one bullet was had 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 uh, Henry Ames name on it and the other bullet had Jill Ames on it and uh, each, each shot by a separate varmint. Each shot by a separate varmint. But they're getting to the bottom of who exactly was it. They know who it is. They know who the gang was. The notorious Hill Gang. And they're from Mayville. A lot of bad folk come from Mayville, a quiet, peaceful town, but it belies, it belies its reputation, or its reputation belies the fact that it's a police peaceful town. Not a policeful town, a peaceful town. It could use probably some more peace, police though, to rein in some of the bad characters, the bad actors that come from that very same place. So the Hill Gang was really one, one set, one, just one footnote into the dramas that happened on the stage from Denver to South Fork. And uh, so this, the caskets are there in front and they're, they're going to be filled later today, I know that. And uh, they're, going to be, uh, they're going to be eulogized in a proper, proper ceremony. Uh, the sheriff is going to, going to speak at the burial. And they're being buried by, by the land that they own uh, back at their ranch. So it's going to be a busy day, a busy day for the funeral of the Ames couple great couple that we really will sorely miss around these parts. We're going to miss uh, Henry coming in for, for his beer, his famous beer at the end of his sod busting, back busting work day. And he'd only have one beer and then get back on his horse, uh, head about a mile and a half back to his, uh, his ranch there, very close to town. And he's got about uh, 100 acres there. He's got some brand new fencing along his north boundary. Just put it in uh, about a month or two ago. Uh, so it's sad. It's sad to see. Uh, it's sad to see a life of hard work and determination, of of devotion to one's spouse. In this case, his wife Jill. His devotion to his, his, his uh, community with his help with, in the church and his help in building the new hotel that just opened here in South Fork uh, to helping with the, with the Finnegan's Bluff restaurant and Billy uh, the dressmaker uh, started that venture and he was very entrepreneurial for a sod buster is some of the best ideas to come to town with development, with, uh, with, uh, with the, the whole art of, of uh, allocating uh, uh, resources and uh, in the actual building, the actual building construction of a town. And uh, it's going to be missed, his whole contributions will be duly noted and sorely missed. Duly noted and sorely missed. And the morning is getting the full brightness now. We're heading to the 6.30 mark here this morning. And uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful town to look at at this time of morning. And a lot of sleepy, sleepy heads out there still hitting the pillow, haven't quite gotten up for their morning coffee. Flapjacks um, made by Mrs. Bruni, who uh, has a has a little bit of a boarding house. Well, she has a boarding house, and uh, she's got about ten people living there right now. And she makes the best breakfast in town. Be best breakfast in town. She opens up her doors for the general public, and uh, there lines out the door waiting for her famous, world famous South Fork flapjacks. South Fork Clapjacks with, with uh, black strap molasses and some, some uh, very rare 
maple syrup that was, came in from the east by the gallon. Uh, she's a big maple syrup uh, proponent. And uh, we don't have a lot of maple trees down this way, but we get in our maple, maple syrup from the great state of New Hampshire, USA. And that brings in some of the great, great maple syrup that we really have on our flapjacks. And I tell you, she makes good, a good uh, pair of eggs there with bacon. Uh, and she's got steaks. Uh, she's got breakfast, lunch, and dinner fare. And uh, her dining room is actually, uh, it, it's, it's a good sized room that can facilitate uh, about, about 10 tables, 10 or 11 tables in there. And she's got a staff of three that help come in. Uh, she runs the house alone, but, but at uh, meal times, she's got three other people that come in and help her. One's a man that does the dishes, helps cook, uh, serves up the food and the other two help with the cooking and serving. And they're two lovely young ladies. Um, and uh, so that's the whole scene there. And uh, she's getting ready to open up her doors any minute. Uh, coming up, uh, she's gonna be open at 7 a.m. for the breakfast bell. And that bell has a very distinctive clangy ring to it. You'll hear that, you know that you got flapjacks on. And you better make it, make, better make your way over to the boarding house in town for that. Uh, lucky, lucky are the residents in that boarding house. Maybe even more lucky than me in my hotel in the old yeller and where my room is on the second floor with my washing bowl, uh, artwork on the walls, a round mirror against the, the opposite wall where the bed is. It's a small room, but it's a pretty comfortable room. It's carpeted. Uh, we've got a nice bedspread. My artwork is, is all really old antiquity artwork. Uh, it's got uh, sort of themes going on with it. And uh, I like my room. I like my room. It's quiet when I need it to be quiet. And I got enough room. I got another table in the corner for playing cards. If anybody wants to come up, a guy's going to be visiting me in a couple of months. I look forward to having about a month, a month, I think probably in March, I heard. He's coming down this way to visit me. And uh, when he gets his first break, which is probably going to be March. February is kind of quiet, except for these morning rumination reports. I don't see myself doing a lot. Put, put the finishing touches on the hotel here in town. I'm going to be going down to Honduras and uh, visiting my factory. Uh, our factory, our cigar factory. I'm going to be bringing back some samples, some brand new samples of some new products. We're going to be announcing those in March, late February. I'm going to be giving you the whole lowdown on the Brandigan X full line, full line lowdown. And it's going to be a separate program. The guy's already allotted for me. He's giving me the whole program. I don't think I'm going to need a whole program. One or two segments will, will capture it all. So I hope you like my little uh, description of morning and what's happening and, you know, the caskets and the boxes, the pine boxes that are beautifully made, beautiful side run handles, uh, soft wood, sand to such buttery softness, unpainted, they're on the carriage now. Uh, it seems a shame they're going to bury those in ground, but that's what you do with a casket. Uh, and I know... I know they're lovingly made, they're lovingly made uh, with a lot of attention, a lot of attention to uh, that kind of detail. Uh, you have to admire, you have to admire it. They, 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 are, in the, they are in the carriage, they're in the, the wagon right now, uh, a green wagon that's parked in front of the undertaker's office. The undertaker's office is between, uh, is right between the uh, dress shop and the, the sheriff's office. And um, that's exactly where they're located. And uh, I'm looking at it full on. Uh, it's at the end run. It creates an L as you come out of town. And the, the L is, is some buildings that block your, the rest of the road. It continues on through the back. And then that links up eventually to the Harriman Trail 
which takes you out of town on a rather rocky but beautiful ride, uh, trail ride, uh, out of town. And that's uh, making a beeline for Carbon, the town of Carbon. And, uh, and so, so that's all awesome. And uh, so I just want to just end with, with telling you that uh, listen for me to coming up on upcoming episodes. Got a lot to talk about, uh, even though it's kind of a quiet month slated to be February uh, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be uh, enough to talk about guys going to have enough to talk about with any wintry conditions that happen up there at Pawtucket uh, February of course noted for its winter storms so they're going to probably get wild they got about 9 inches uh, the other day heavy heavy snowfall at time it was really amazing uh, the storminess of this and quiet storm it wasn't very windy a uh, rather still storm. The flakes kind of came down. Uh, I was in town when it happened. The, the flakes kind of came down straight, but they got really heavy and thick. And it was upwards to two inches per hour of accumulation. So that was a quite a quite a thing, quite an event. But they got about nine inches. They could have gotten more. They squeaked by with nine inches, enough to keep people busy all morning, digging out, digging out. And my, my our friend Gary across the street helped to shovel a few of the neighbors' driveways. He's just that way. He's just a kind of a character. And uh, he's a good guy. Uh, and uh, he, uh, I went out there to do my shoveling and my walk in front of my door and walked down the, and then did my couple more shovelings of clearing out the driveway area. Uh, but Gary himself cleared out my driveway where he used my driveway to park his car. Uh, I let him uh, use my driveway to get his car off the road. His driveway is full up right now with some other vehicles in it. So he's unable to use his own driveway. So I was able to do that for him when I was in Pawtucket. Uh, Guy didn't mind. Uh, I spoke on behalf of Guy because Guy was in New York and it was not a problem. Anytime we need to accommodate Gary for all the things that he does help me out with a lot of things with a lot of things so thanks for listening to this morning ruminations and sidetrack and sidetracking off the morning ruminations program and I'm Buckles Brain again and we'll see you the next time around